0: Meredith SK, and this is episode two of Carpe DM.
1: I'm Alexei Othanin and girard and today we're going to be digging deeper into the Dungeon Master's Guide.
0: And we're going to be having a monster of the week, which is a Gorgon. And we're also going to talk a little bit about modules and uh, online generators and all sorts of rando things that we can think of I think. <laughs> as we, as we move
1: forward, we're going to talk about the, we're going to talk about the basics of setting up your campaign world.
0: Right, right. So I had homework, uh, from Alexei last episode to, uh, read the first chapter of the, uh, dungeon master's guide, which I absolutely did.
1: Good. Excellent. Good job. Good start.
0: Um, <laughs> and, uh, for, for those who are kind of reading along, hopefully, um, or even if you're not, um, that is uh, there's chapter one and it's sort of sectioned into many smaller headings, some of which are actual creation guidelines, such as uh, like how to set up gods in your world or how to set up Towns and villages with, you know, some examples of why those places might exist. And then it also has some more, I guess I could call them building blocks. yeah. Uh, for example, yeah, back to towns again, it'll say a town is about to this population and which is six thousand. and a city is a population up to about twenty five thousand. Um, and there's several. There's several sort of examples of this, uh, including things like uh, what t- what is a world shaking event, whether it's um, a cataclysmic disaster or a uh, rise or fall of a leader era. Um, and I think one of the uh, sections that really caught my eye the most. Um, was creating a campaign, which is actually relatively far through this section. Yeah. And uh, before uh, we get started about uh, creating a campaign, I just want to ask you really quickly, Alexei, about modules. Mm -hmm. Um, I realized that uh, I feel like I'm kind of diving into the deep end by trying to make a campaign right off the bat. World right
1: off the bat. Um, so I think, I mean, again, as we said last week, um, the best way to learn is to do and getting, diving in right off the bat. Um, I, I find that the kind of creative exercise of, for one thing, for me, world building is one of my favorite parts of being a DM. So, you know. Running modules has never really appealed to me that much, but it can be a good stepping stone. But I'll tell you why I actually don't think it's the best thing for uh, a young do. DM, to, to <laughs> a new DM, a fresh face. A fresh youngster. face. Um, I, playing modules, one of the things that I have found is that the module writer often has some assumptions about the world that they're creating that they may or may not be good at expressing in a way that the DM can understand. Or to put it a different way, as a young DM, if you build your own world, you'll understand how all of those parts of that world fit together.
0: I mean, so for me, it feels like maybe I should get a module because it's, kind of like learning how to build something like a physical object where if you're just trying to build it yourself with no experience like and someone's just described to you how a table works you might wind up with like eight legs when in fact you only need three minimum
1: minimum. um the fourth leg let's be clear is really an extravagance on most tables
0: yeah and that um there might be all these parts to it that a module would provide that I wouldn't think to put in. Uh, I mean, this is—I have never played a module. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've had a DM that's run a module, mm-hmm. and uh, nor have I opened one to look at it. I just mm-hmm. sort of assumed going in that my first campaign would be something I would write. Mm-hmm. I don't—I don't know why I thought that. Sure, but now I'm realizing that a lot of people that might be. And including myself, like, thinking mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe I should do that.
1: I think there's a temptation to think of a module as training wheels, right? Oh, right. it's yeah. all laid yeah, out exactly, for me. Like, exactly. all I have to do is just sort of run it out of the book. And again, I, while I'm sure that there are great modules out there, and, you know, we could on this podcast definitely do a little bit of research and find some of those modules and mm-hmm. talk about kind of, how that how those modules work?
0: Yeah, I was I was even kind of thinking like how when I play a um a board game mm. uh like like not just a board game but like a table t- like a RPG style board game that has mm. a pretty uh like pretty rules heavy we'll play one with, like uh, with uh face up cards as right. it were, yeah. like, you know, like play this module sort of describing each step.
1: So I guess my only, I guess my only rejoinder to that would be that I think that the exercise of world building is such a fundamental part of learning how to be a really great DM that at least for the kind of purposes of this podcast, certainly um, the exercise of going through and having us like help you build your world Mm -hmm. is, is one that at the end of it, you'll have learned a lot more about what you need to learn Mm -hmm. to run, to, to, to even run other modules. The, my, the one thing that I've seen with modules is the writers, if they're not specifically thinking of kind of first time DMS, if they're not thinking of like, you know, Oh, this is someone who's just learning how to do this. Then you risk running into this situation where you know, you as the DM don't realize that some part of the module doesn't make sense, right? You sort of, you paint oh, okay. yourself into a corner. Okay. And I've actually had this happen in a game that a friend was running where we, we wound up in this situation where um, what was supposed to be this kind of like really big antagonist that was supposed to move a lot of the story along, um, he hadn't read the module closely enough And didn't realize that that antagonist was actually not well connected to the plot and felt extraneous. And so there was this kind of weird moment of anticlimax that took us all out of the game where all of a sudden we're like, oh, but this this character doesn't make any sense in this setting. Right. And unless you know enough about the world to to see that, to spot that and be like, oh, I'm going to change this or take this character out or shift this encounter you know, you risk sort of running into that moment where your players are kind of like, well, why are we here? What, you know, what's the point of this? So uh, again, I think that while there are a lot of really amazing modules out there and there are a lot of really amazing writers building incredible experiences. um, I don't know. I just think that having that experience of kind of Letting giving yourself the leeway to put your own world together and really like let give yourself that freedom to be creative means that when you come to that module later, you're, you can read it and be like, oh, no, I'm going to change this. And okay. I don't like this. So OK, that's my thought. What specific questions did you have coming out of that first section? Because let's uh, let's kind of address uh, your experience of reading that first section first.
0: So I do have some specific questions, but a lot of it is just sort of organizational. And I know some of this is probably just how the book is edited. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have more experience with the player's handbook and have also mm-hmm. been kind of frustrated with how things are laid out and what information is presented first. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to sort of start by talking about uh, a couple things. Mm-hmm. Um Creating a campaign, mm-hmm. we were just about to get into that before we went off on modules, um, and that is on page twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'll start just saying what pages things are here in the podcast. So if you have, yeah. if you wind up buying a uh, a book, uh, you can sort of read along as a way.
1: Yeah.
0: And again, we are using the D and D fifth edition um 5e right, as i've 5E, learned it's called i yeah. thought it was that was meant it was, i thought that was like you know the iphone 6s you know like it was like I mean, oh the fifth expanded expanded no, yeah, no. like oh we forgot fifth, some things fifth edition you know each, um, <laughs> actually
1: each edition of the the editions of dungeons and dragons follow no set naming convention
0: well that's not use, that's not yeah sorry that's not convenient at all
1: there's like the first few editions it gets real there's like Basic and then a different set that's original, if I remember correctly. And then second edition and then then third edition. And then there was an intermediate 3.5 edition, which is a little weird. Then there was a fourth edition, which no one talks about. And <laughs> now we're at the fifth edition.
0: Okay. So creating a campaign, mm-hmm. uh, I, I just want to go over this really quickly. Not necessarily super in depth, but even the the um, the little, what's... What's between a chapter?
1: What section?
0: Well, there's chapters and sections, and then
1: subheaders. I guess uh, subheaders. Yeah. So subsection? There's a chapter
0: one, which is uh, whatever, uh, a world of your own, mm-hmm. and then subsection creating a campaign, and beneath that, mm-hmm. I found some kind of useful stuff, which we kind of touched on last time, mm-hmm. um, which is start small, right. Uh, create a home base, mm-hmm. create a local religion, mm-hmm. and craft a starting adventure. Right. So Good,
1: good places to start. Yeah.
0: So, th- I mean, just those things mm-hmm. feel pretty good. Uh, so, I feel like how about we kind of talk about those things in order? Because that seems good. You're uh, looking at me like I'm not so. No, no, so, uh,
1: no. no. That, is a, <laughs> that is a great idea. But... but um, I'm gonna actually offer uh, before we get to that. There were two okay. sections in that first uh, chapter mm-hmm. that I thought were really, really valuable. Okay. Um, and worth talking about.
0: Okay, I'm gonna to try to guess. Is it uh, Gods of Your World? Not yet. Oh, play style. Yes. Okay.
1: So there's two. So there's two things that I think the fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons one of the best things that it does is so the the two sections I want to kind of like point out are <laughs> core assumptions mm-hmm. and at the which is right at the beginning of that first chapter, and then at the end, like you said, the section on play style Wait, where's core assumptions it's right at the it's like the first it's page nine really
0: mm-hmm. oh, it's not even listed okay, so oh. let's do this why don't yeah. um you will go over core assumptions mm-hmm. and play style mm-hmm. And then we'll go. And through. then we'll go. Yeah. Oh, yeah absolutely. Okay. Okay. That's okay. So, again, that core assumptions, which is page nine. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have a little heading under the contents, and then play style, which is chapter thirty four. And then we'll be going through.
1: Page. Uh, wait. No. Am I? Oh, actually. Uh, sorry. Not play style. Uh, flavors of fantasy. On oh. Page 38.
0: Okay. Uh. Flavors of fantasy. So, with right. core assumptions and flavors Ign- of fantasy. Right.
1: Ignore all of that playstyle stuff, although it will come into play later.
0: In Shh. fact, why don't we just re record it? Yeah. So that people don't have to sit through this horrible muggly, muggly bloop. Muggly bloop. And the, and the goofier we get, the better, the better it, it is for radio. Right. All right, so what's the first one you want to look at?
1: Okay, so one of the things that 5th Edition has done that I think is so important and valuable and good is that they've laid out these like, core assumptions, these these ideas that underpin the reality that they're trying to present in Dungeons and & Dragons. And not only do they do that, not only do they actually like sort of um, offer you those core assumptions, they show you They show you what kind of world you are building if you change those core assumptions. Okay. So the assumptions that they offer in the book are gods oversee the world. Much of the world is untamed. The world is ancient. Conflict shapes the world's history and the world is magical
0: and then i should say in each of these they give examples right. of what would happen sort of if you flip flopped any one of these right and this was really useful for me because and i can see why you want to do this first mm-hmm. um, because when i started thinking of my campaign that i'm building mm-hmm. you know i had sort of this you know i'm i'm an illustrator and cartoonist and painter and well so uh, so i've got a very sort of visual mind and i had this Mm -hmm. sort of like like beautiful miyazaki-esque sort Mm -hmm. of thing in my head but i didn't really think about the spiritual and uh natural and intellectual things that make that world tick Mm -hmm. uh and having these laid out Mm -hmm. uh means that i can I can sort of just take those. I mean, without, so I can just take, I mean, just to reiterate, I can just take these and not change anything about them and have a pretty good world base set up already. All right.
1: But the trick is that you can build off of these Mm -hmm. and if you communicate those to your players, they'll understand the kind of world that they're in. I see. All right. Because this is the tricky part about any kind of fantasy Mm -hmm. is... It's so important, whether you're writing a novel or, you know, watching a TV show or whatever, it's so important to have these kinds of assumptions about the world sort of like spelled out pretty quickly. And actually, if you look at game, if you look at not games, but if you look at TV shows like games of Game of Thrones or the novel series, uh, Song of Ice and Fire, or, you know, uh, pretty much any fantasy series that you can think of one of the things that you'll notice is that pretty early on, this kind of stuff gets addressed. Like how magical is this world? How often do people encounter stuff that's magical? And you don't, as a DM, it's really easy to sort of like skip over this part and have it in your head, but not communicate it to your players.
0: So I've had, I've had DMs where they just they don't necessarily weave it into the Mm storyline. It's not something you discover where we just sit down and like, all right, in this world, there's not a lot of magic.
1: Right. Sure. Exactly. And that's totally fine. Oh, because that way you're that's not a cop out. <laughs> no, not at all. No, not at all. I, when I say like communicate this stuff to your player. OK, players, I, you know, obviously, once you start the game, you'll need to kind of weave it in as well. Right. You can't contradict yourself because that gets really confusing. It's it's. Crucial that you communicate this stuff to your players. And obviously, once you've started the game, you need to be able to weave those things in, right? The, that's part of making the world feel like a coherent place.
0: So, so not just saying it at the outset, but like...
1: But, follow, but, but saying it at say it, the outset is totally fine too.
0: But I mean, like you say you can say it pretty bluntly at the outset, but mm-hmm. then have it be in the subtleties of the world that you're yeah, creating. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so I can say at the outset like, oh, there is one God, this is that God's mm-hmm. name. Everyone worships him and all the other gods have fallen into disrepair. Absol- and then later on, I need to say, you pass a town. There is one church to this, you know, God and...
1: That's it. Exactly. The way to think about these sort of core assumptions is if you were a person growing up in this world, what would you have known about the world that you were in just as a function of like growing up in that world? You know, the way that I think we in the real world would think of maybe like the broad strokes of history or like current geopolitics, right? If somebody, if you meet somebody and they're like, I don't know what the country of France is. It, it's sort of there's this moment, I mean hopefully no one's ever encountered that, but because you <laughs> France is a pretty important country. It, it's where bread comes from. It's Or not cheese really, and wine. Nah, none of those. But um I mean they're all important <laughs> there. It doesn't come from the, Anyway, the and point is that Frank fight, apparently. The point the, yeah. <laughs> that is true. No, the the point is that you know, the that the existence of the country of France is like a, a core assumption about the world that we live in. Right. Okay. We, we understand that France exists, it's real, it has history. Okay. If if you don't tell your players, by the way, this world is Especially your portion of this world is staunchly monotheistic and all other, you know, all other like like everybody worships this sun god and every other god has been sort of driven out into the hinterlands. And one of your players is like, yeah, so I made this cool sea cleric because I was really into like the idea of a of a cleric of the sea, you know if that player doesn't realize that they're making a character who will be considered like a heretic and hounded out of every town, that's the kind of thing that, that the character at least should know. I see, okay. And the player should know that too, right? Okay. It's one thing if your player is like, no, I want to play a secret sea cleric and nobody knows that I secretly worship the sea. But it's another thing if your player like walks into town and is like, I bring the blessings of the sea to you. And you're like, everybody tries to kill you. Mm. Then the player's like, wait, I don't understand. Like, I'm just a dude who likes the ocean. And you're like, oh, I didn't mention that this world is viciously monotheistic. And your character would have known that. Right, right?
0: so uh, these Core assumptions mm-hmm. are what lets me and you, mm-hmm. the magical listener, right. who is also <laughs> becoming a DM with me on my journey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's like a very base foundation. Exactly. Not really even necessarily there's nothing built yet. It's just like I can look to this and say, yes, the world is magical or uh, the world is ancient and I can change those things. Mm -hmm. But if but if I don't, I can I can I can I can can look to them. And if I do, I can know what needs to trickle down and change because of that
1: change. Dungeons and Dragons is setting out. Almost for the first time, they're saying these are the default assumptions Mm -hmm. that all of our rules are making about the world that our players are going to be in. If you want to change those, change them. But definitely get your players on the same page. Make sure that they understand. So, you know, you were saying about um, this idea of kind of a Mm -hmm. Miyazaki-esque world. You know, they have this, like, the gods. What is it? The gods oversee the world, right? Mm -hmm. What if you change that assumption? What if, like, instead of, you know, a few discrete gods that oversee the world, what if... Every what if it's more of a kind of animistic situation? They, where... They
0: do go over that in the first chapter. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, so, then, so, I, so, I should mention that um, of all these core tenets, they go into them quite in depth. Yeah. And then, in, in like both the like theoretical and uh, logistical ways. Mm-hmm. So if your if your world is populated by monotheism versus uh, sort of paganism versus uh dualistic uh, gods it'll it'll tell you how things might happen but they're always very careful to tell you that you can change these things even if we say a dualistic world normally is good and evil Mm -hmm. normally is this and that do whatever you want do
1: whatever you want you want you want your your dual poles to be light and darkness or life and death or you want them to be i don't know the glass and steel Hmm, weird. Um, you know, sure. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Um,
0: um, it has actually, that's one of the first things that really drew me to, uh, D and D because, uh, somewhat, unfortunately, (laughs) uh, not to belittle anyone who does still play, but, uh, I played, uh, magic, the gathering for a mm -hmm. long time and
1: it's a good game.
0: I didn't hate it, Mm -hmm. but I really didn't do well with the, like, it's just abject pedantry that is involved in and <laughs> anger over the minutia of, of, of turn-based
1: mm-hmm. uh, maneuvers. I mean, the, if and, you, if and you this is the
0: opposite to me, you know, like s- do whatever you want. Do it's your game. You it's Have your fun. game. Here's um, some suggestions.
1: I would say that, that, that certainly in the world building phase, obviously like this is your world and you should do what you want. Um, When we get into like the specifics of combat, you'll probably find a little bit more pedantic kind of, you know, rules, what is what is pejoratively called rules lawyering, which is the sort of like, well, it says on page 38 that, you know, a bonus action always goes before a normal action of the same. Pe- I blah, don't want to
0: do that ever. Uh,
1: I'm not going to be there's going to be a. you don't have to do a lot of it. So we'll actually we'll talk about strategies for like how to deal with those kinds of situations when we get into uh, later on, when we start talking about like okay. combat and play. of Fantasy.
0: Tell me about the Flavors of Fantasy. So
1: what they lay out in Flavors of Fantasy Fantasy is this idea that there are actually a bunch of different types of games that you can play with Dungeons and Dragons. You can play the most traditional, you know, a group of heroes come to a town, it's having a problem, they try to solve it, they probably accidentally burn the town down, then they move to the next town, lather, rinse, repeat. Um, That's like a very traditional style of Dungeons and Dragons game. Mm. But, you know, you can have a game where the gods are really heavily involved and that that starts to become more like what they call epic fantasy or mythic fantasy. Mm -hmm. You can have a game that has a lot of intrigue or has a lot of swashbuckling. You can have a game that's about travel. You can have a game that's about, you know, uh, protecting someone or raising an army and taking over a bunch of countries. Each of those, the, the they're going to use the same rules. They're not going to change. You're not going to change the rules that you're using. But they'll present kind of a different flavor of experience, right? Is this a game about finding a hidden treasure? Is this a game about, you know, wandering across the world, righting wrongs? Is this a game about, you know, uh, political machinations and back dealing, you know, backbiting and backstabbing and et cetera, et cetera? All of those are going to feel different. And so the thing that I'm going to suggest to you is something that I call the player contract, Um, which is basically like sitting down with your players and just having a discussion out of character before you started anything about the game and talk about what are we all here to do? Mm. And just make sure that everyone's on the same page.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? The sections are subdivided into heroic fantasy, sword and sorcery, mm-hmm. epic fantasy, mythic fantasy, dark fantasy, mm-hmm. intrigue, mystery, swashbuckling, war, wuxia. Wuxia. Wuxia? All right then. And crossing the streams. Yeah. Which I'm sure we all know not to do. Yeah,
1: don't ever do... No, actually do 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 that that sometimes. It's okay. Um,
0: So why don't we go over briefly, like, what... uh, First... What do these... What what are these? What what are these? Okay. And then we'll... Let's go over a little bit of... uh, While you can read more in your Dungeon Master's Mm -hmm, Guide about what they're suggesting for them, can you give me, Alexei, like... Um, a brief overview, not either of each one or, uh, how you see them, um, and why they're important.
1: Yeah. Um, so basically what these are is they are actually, they, they sort of follow (laughs) from what we were talking about before, um, where they're different versions of dungeons and dragons where the core assumptions have maybe been shifted a little bit. So sword and sorcery, uh, as an example, as a first place to start, sword and sorcery is the, uh, comes, I think it's a term that's first associated with like Conan the barbarian. And it sort of talks about as a, as a setting note or as a flavor for your game, what you're talking about is a game that's probably low magic where the world is very old, but civilizations have mostly kind of, petered out, or the world is very young and people are just getting started. Mm -hmm. And most of the world is very wild and very untamed and dangerous.
0: Are these kind of, um, it almost feels like these should be paired somehow, like epic fantasy is the opposite of...
1: I think it's more like I see them more as a progression, right? Like sword and sorcery is that like super low magic barbarians wandering around. Your characters will wind up in swamps a lot for some reason. Like sword and sorcery, I associate really strongly with like trudge through the swamp and get to the evil temple and fight the evil dude in the evil temple.
0: Okay.
1: Um, Classic Conan stuff. Mm. Heroic fantasy is a little bit more of that sort of... uh, Classic Dungeons and Dragons, you know, a party of adventurers goes to a town. And again, kind of like that town has a problem and they try to solve it. Mm. Epic fantasy, everything gets turned up to kind of like 11. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, dragons are everywhere and people are actually the later Game of Thrones might be a good uh, a good watchword for epic fantasy. Um, There's lots of magic. There's lots of like things change a lot because people have wild powers. And then mythic fantasy is like at the top of that power scale. The gods are directly involved in the world and they're like raising mountain ranges and banishing people to nether realms and like all kinds of that, you know, that sort of stuff.
0: Okay. Uh, some of them I think are a little self-explanatory, um, like dark fantasy, Mm -hmm. mystery, uh, swashbuckling, Mm -hmm. um, war, Mm -hmm uh but the but two that might uh well and actually also intrigue hmm. but please tell me what wuxia is wuxia
1: is just a word it's a way to refer to um like kung fu movies and like oh. like uh sort of martial arts the 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 genre of martial arts um type stories um there's like a more complex discourse around like uh, uh, appropriation Mm -hmm. of like, uh, you know, uh, Eastern cultures in role playing games where they're sort of exoticized and turned into like, um, uh, you know, campaign settings without like you hear something you hear a lot is like, it's like, um, you know, China with the serial numbers filed off. Um, I encourage, I mean, I think it's a really rich vein of storytelling, but, uh, I would encourage anyone who wants to go down that road, um, do a lot of research. Don't just like, don't just watch a couple of Kung Fu movies and then be like, I could do this. Like, there's Mm -hmm. a lot there. Um, oh, and then crossing the streams. Um, so crossing the streams refers to, again, sort of, uh, games that, Maybe start out, maybe you're a, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mixing genres. Maybe you're a party of first level adventurers and suddenly like the gods have a war around you or, you know, uh, they, they, they list, uh, they give an example here from a very, very early Dungeons and Dragons module set in the Greyhawk world where, um, players stumble, players are up in the mountains and they stumble on a crashed spaceship and you have to fight off a bunch of aliens and you get Ray guns. Mm. And this was, you know, probably published in 78 or 79. Um, If Chris was here, he could probably tell us when this module was (laughs) was first published. Uh, So that and that's like this idea that, you know, the world is as big as your imagination. And and if you want to take a bunch of different elements and kind of put them together, you can do that, too.
0: I want to create a campaign. Right. As you might. No,
1: I I have I have gathered that yes,
0: <laughs> uh, and it gives some very helpful pointers here. Yep, uh, which I'll go through. Start small. Mm-hmm. Create a home base. Mm-hmm. Create a local. Region,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which I almost read as religion when I was like, okay. Seems <laughs> yeah. oddly specific. I, I but think uh, you
1: said religion originally, and I was like, I mean, I guess <laughs> you could, but that seems, yeah, like you said, very specific. Yeah. Uh, um, a local region will probably have a local religion in it. That's true.
0: Mm. Um, and uh, craft a starting adventure. Yep. This seems very manageable. It, it, it is. It's all surprisingly it is, manageable. Because the. I feel like I was coming into this with like both knives drawn. Do people yes. draw knives? Yeah, and they do. And do they wear two do. of them?
1: I think you are dual wielding daggers. That's, yeah, so you're doing being one like, d- this is going to be really hard. You're doing 1d4 damage I, per hand. Get the get the dual wielding feet. And I it. am
0: coming at this. It's going to be real right. hard. Oh, maybe not. Right. Seems good. Totally approachable.
1: I just need you to go into the basement and kill five I, rats. This okay. is also how I
0: approach dating. It's getting, like, it's this really is it going to be really hard. hard? Oh wait, I just need to act like I like somebody. Maybe put wh- the knives when I like them. Put
1: a knife away. A knife
0: away. Just one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Keep one out. You never know.
0: Welcome to uh, dating in uh, <laughs> modern age. Here's my knife. The other one hidden somewhere on, on my person. My <laughs> Find
1: it at your own peril.
0: Start small. Uh, Is the first <laughs> section. <laughs> um, so, my world mm-hmm. that I'm creating. I mm-hmm. like we said. I've got this inn or pub on top of a tortoise. Right, tortuga, and it seems to match some of these things. where are yeah. saying create a home base. Right. Um, I mean, you
1: you got it. I mean, right there. You yeah, got your home base. Yeah, I got my home
0: base. Um, it seems that my story could fit a few of these, which is like create a home base, uh, a, lo- a local region, not so much, but it, it is also like the starting adventure. So Potentially, yeah. When you asked me to start working on sort of building this world, mm-hmm. I've, I've yet to figure out like the god, right. but I kind of want it to be a... Uh, a medium fantasy. Like mm-hmm. I always kind of, it always kind of drives me bonkers when I like go into a game and the DM is like, there's no magic here right. and no one's seen a dragon in 10,000 years. And mm-hmm. I'm like, we're playing dungeons and dragons. <laughs> are you going to say that there is like the dungeon? There dun- are also no dungeons in <laughs> this a, world. It's like the dungeon at the Alamo. Yeah. <laughs> go visit there Wee." Um, uh, so medium, you know, uh-huh. like sure. I did kind of have the thought at first that, Like maybe it's just to spite every DM I've ever had, where it's like there's no magic. It's just lousy with magic. (laughs) Yeah. Like so much so that like when everyone is special, nobody is. is. Sure. But that seems like it's a whole different thing than what I'm really Different different thing. thing. Like just piles, piles of
1: wizards. You want magic rings? We got like you have ten fingers and I've got like fifteen rings. So start choosing.
0: (laughs) Ringling. Create a local region. So I guess in my case. That would be where the turtle is starting if it's continually walking, right? Um,
1: so if- this is a this is actually a really nice a place to talk a little bit about another section briefly, I promise, um, about uh, world shaking events, right? In fantasy, one one trope that we often associate with fantasy is you start with this kind of like, you know. Everything was the same for hundreds of years. And then Mm -hmm. something happened. Okay. Um, but you know, so, so you're okay. So you have two options. A, you have this turtle. It moves continuously around the world. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, people in the world probably know about it and they're probably cognizant unless it's like, it's come to a place and everyone's like, Oh my God, it's a giant turtle. What the hell? Mm -hmm. Um, But if it's just sort of a fact of life, like, oh, there's these giant turtles or this giant turtle, it just wanders around. We don't know why. It just goes. It just does its thing. Or B, the giant turtle has not moved for a long time and it starts to move and that becomes the kind of literally the world shaking event, right? Mm -hmm. In this region, you know, whether people have known that it's a giant turtle or think it's a mountain or whatever, there's some, you know... I I, I admit, I kind of love the idea that like for, you know, hundreds or thousands of years, there's just been Turtle Mountain, uh, you know, like. Yeah,
0: I kind of like that, too, that like maybe the when I was thinking about um, this sort of thing crafting a starting adventure, which seems like a much bigger sentence than just like create a starting adventure. uh, The two I've been sort of debating between is something Mm -hmm. like that, Mm -hmm. where. There is sort of an old broken down inn on the top of this hill that's Mm -hmm. been there forever and then suddenly starts moving Mm -hmm. or through some actions of my players, it starts moving and then they need to figure out
1: what to do about it. WTF. Right. Or The T in that stands for turtle.
0: What, 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 what turtle, turtle fuck. fuck that's right didn't there's think that one. explicit tag we did that. it didn't think that one through yeah one <laughs> cutting that gag
1: not good enough
0: I'm not good I'm not gonna cut that gag it. it was a good goof It's not a good goof. Um, anyway go on <laughs> uh, or it's already been moving mm-hmm. forever and there's some sort of mystery on on uh, mystery on turtle mountain which right I think it'll be called no matter what.
1: Mystery on Turtle Mountain is really it, a, an excellent, a, a super, super good name for I would for your say campaign.
0: it's a Hardy Boys adventure, except for I was more of an Encyclopedia Brown kind of gal, which is why I know any month that starts on a Sunday, will have a Friday the 13th. Huh.
1: I guess it was the answer. I, I had forgotten that Encyclopedia Brown. I thought I was, I thought I was all caught up on them, but I guess I must've missed that one. Uh, Anyways. Anyways. Um, Mystery on Turtle Mountain. So, first of all, congratulations. You've titled your game, which is actually kind of a big deal. A lot of people really struggle, but I like it. And it's thematic and it's exciting and it's mysterious and it's kind of got a you know, it's got a a a good feeling to it. (laughs) A good feeling. A good feeling.
0: Let's go through these. We're blast blasting through these. Yeah. Uh okay. Create Create a home home base. base.
1: Done. Done. Turtle Mountain, the inn on Turtle Mountain, that's your home base.
0: Yeah, if I mean if it winds up being that it's not a turtle yet sure it will become the home base yeah, absolutely. okay um, like maybe they become turtle
1: pirates y- which yes. sounds almost almost dirty it does sound almost dirty but it also (laughs) i mean do they raid other turtle pirates i feel like there's a lot of really slow motion chase, chase sequences where it's like catch up with him okay so it's gonna be about three to four days before the relative velocities of these turtles either bring them together or put them so far apart that uh that they can't That'd be really weird. It, yeah. Slow motion so, turtle chases. Um, I don't else?
0: know how you choose between your ideas when you're creating a
1: world. That's a really good question. So that's a really good question. Um, I think there, I have, I have sort of like two watchwords when I'm, when I'm trying to come up with ideas. And the first is always, always, always keep it simple, right? The simpler that you can, I, I, as a GM, have fallen into this trap more times than I can count. I come up with what I think is a perfectly simple plot. (laughs) Take my characters through it. And by the end of the game, my characters are sort of like my players, right, who've been having fun up to that point. And I'm sort of like, okay, great. You have all the pieces of the mystery. Now put it together. And my players are like. We literally have no clue what's going on and we haven't for months. You know, it's been fun. We've all been into it. But like the what you think of as a simple mystery, your players will uh, like will always be more confused by than you necessarily think. So stay simple to whatever your theme is, relate back to that theme immediately.
0: You mean theme like the flavors of fantasy?
1: Yeah, kind of. Or or just sort of, yeah, uh, that might be a good way to put it or or what is the what's the experience of play that you want is how I would think about it in my head with many more words. But yeah, exactly, that flavors <laughs> of fantasy. Like like, you know, is this mythic fantasy? Is it epic fantasy? You know, if it's epic fantasy, you you're pick, then always pick the idea that's the epicest, right? Mm -hmm. If you're choosing between ideas, choose the one where the dragon also has thunder powers. And, you know, I don't know, a a gun. Give the dragon a gun. Mm -hmm.
0: All right. So with those things in mind, Mm -hmm. uh, it seems like I can go forward with a sort of, Sure. Sections. Uh, I mean, what we've sort of talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, create a home base.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Got a sort of general idea of that
1: mm-hmm.
0: in my mind. It's like one of those games. God, I wish I could remember any of the computer games I played where there. You know, you started off with like a dark area around you, and mm-hmm. as you moved around, you saw more and more. Sure, sure, That's sure. what it feels like. Fog of War. Yeah. Yeah. Um, create a local region mm-hmm. and craft a starting adventure. So. Yep. These are obviously huge concepts that are, like, branching off from mystery mm-hmm. on Turtle Mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's some th- other things that I might encounter on this adventure, <laughs> such as...
1: What's that thing? Let's have a peek. Monster, monster of the, of the, week. Week. Monster of the week. Monster of the Week! The monster of the Week! I love the Monster
0: of yeah. the Week. Okay, so this week, we have the Gorgon. Yes,
1: this week's monster is the Gorgon. Uh, not... The Medusa, which in Dungeons and Dragons is a different monster. Oh, I don't even know where the Gorgon comes from as a monster. Um, So uh, classically, Medusa was a Gorgon, but the D&D Gorgon is um, not a lady with snakes for hair, but it still turns you to stone. Uh, It's actually like a giant armor plated bull. And it has a breath weapon that petrifies you. So it still turns you to stone, but it's also a, a giant cow uh, with stone skin.
0: That Wait, so one of them was a lady with the snakes on her hair.
1: That's Medusa. Or in and the other D&D, is, is Medusa's. Yeah, the other one is Robobull, who still turns you to stone. Okay. The Gorgon may be one of those kind of first edition monsters that was created by a mad wizard. I'm not really sure. Um, I've always been sort of like, why does this monster exist? But I could imagine, I mean, it's definitely not the kind of thing that your uh, first level adventurers want to encounter. Um, It's tough, it's strong, it's hard to hit, and it'll basically turn you to stone instantly, which is in Dungeons and Dragons not instant death because you can actually reverse petrification um, but it's probably outside the reach of like most uh, early parties so pitting them against the Gorgon is totally going to screw them up
0: so looking at the uh, description of the Gorgon mm-hmm. it has and like most monsters I would assume various uh, statistics and information that goes along with it yep and um, Wild guess helps you use it in a campaign.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, so I see uh, some very basic, you know, like standard statistics, uh, strengths, dexterity, constitution, mm-hmm. um, actions, uh, and things like skills and immunities. Do most monsters have all of this written out
1: yeah pretty much okay so there's especially in in fifth edition there's like a kind of what's called the standard stat block the uh, standard statistic block
0: i just had one of these god this game is really dorky
1: oh it's well yeah i mean yeah it's dungeons and
0: dragons
1: (laughs) i know it's 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 the ur dork game (laughs) no my
0: not just like kind of dorky but like you know
1: like super dorky i mean you know listen when we move off of- is not,
0: that's not bad i know <laughs> it was just like the thing that i realized was like oh there's all these creatures they have all these stats and not mm-hmm. only do they have all these stats but you can adjust all these stats in different ways So it's a lot of spreadsheets, I think.
1: Um, I mean, if you want to run it that way, yeah. I don't Uh, want to run it that way. Use note cards.
0: Okay. So uh, the Gorgon. Right. Monster of the Week. Do you like it? What do you rate this? I think we should start a rating system. (laughs) Rating
1: rating the monsters? Yeah.
0: Um, And um, the uh, rating system will be out of uh, 10. What are the um, things you swing around? That are spiky on the end maces? of the chain. Yeah, it should a be mace? out of out of maces. Morning star. Morning star. Uh, t- out, yeah, the, out, out of ten, morning. Yeah. Out
1: of ten morning stars. Yeah. Okay, so here's the problem with the gorgon. Okay. It's super strong. It's super tough, and it paralyzes or petrifies you. Okay. Petrification is basically a death sentence. It takes a character out of the game potentially for a long time. Anything that can do that, eh, it can be. It's a good monster for a really high-tension encounter, Mm. but as the DM, you have to be ready to deal with the fact that you might take like one or two of your players out of play, Mm. and depending on when you throw this in, potentially forever. Okay. Um so I'm going to give it a 3 out of 10 morning stars. That's a 3 out of 10 morning stars. Yeah, cuz I wouldn't if I need a tank creature, I'll probably choose something that's a little bit more interesting. Now, that's not to say that you couldn't like build a really cool encounter around a gorgon, especially because you could sort of bait and switch where, you know, the players think, "Oh, it's a Medusa." No, it's a gorgon. But really, I mean, Okay, well, the Gorgon is much stupider than the Medusa, but that's basically the only difference.
0: So I want to ask you one more thing. Sure. Uh, when a monster has an alignment listed, yep. how does that alignment affect how you interact with it? Or does it?
1: I mean, it that really depends on how you feel as a DM. Oh, good. Um, yeah. the <sighs> There are certain things. Dungeons and Dragons is weird because sometimes morality is like objective. Um, Certain things in Dungeons and Dragons are objectively good and other things are objectively evil. The moral implications of this are something that like people write long papers about on the Internet. But um, basically, I mean, um, alignment, practically for a DM, alignment is always, always a shorthand. It's always just to give you an idea of how... The designers think that monster is going to act in your game. If you decide that you want to change its alignment, go for it. So, to prepare us for next week, Meredith is now going to spin the wheel of monsters. (laughs) All right,
0: Alexei. Yeah,
1: next week's monster is the Otyug. It's How a, do I spell that? It's a trash monster, O T Y U G H.
0: <laughs> I guess if there was a wheel that I was looking at, I'd see it. Yep. But there's
1: not. not guys, the wheel is not real. The wheel is the wheel is fictional.
0: It's really it's, it's psychological.
1: It's like, yeah, it's it's like totally notional. There's no real wheel.
0: All right, so spell what what is the monster again? It's
1: called an OTYUG. O T Y U G H.
0: Next week I've got homework of
1: the OTYUG. The OTYUG. Today, we talked a little bit about different types of games, Mm -hmm. right? High versus low fantasy. Um, We talked about the core assumptions of Dungeons and Dragons and how you can change them so that they better reflect your game. Um, We reiterated how important it is to communicate those core assumptions to your players so everybody knows that they're playing in the same world. Um, Next week, I am actually going to say that we can... Skip chapter two, creating a multiverse. What? Yeah, I'm sorry. Just, uh, it's good stuff to know, but I think we can circle back to it. Okay. We don't need it right now. Um, I want us to skip directly to chapter three, part two, chapter three, creating adventures. All right. Because um, that's really going to be the the meat of what you're doing as a GM. All right. So for next week, read chapter three, creating adventures. All right. Research the OTUG. OTUG. Otyug. And then uh, go ahead and start thinking about the mystery of Turtle Mountain.
0: The mystery of Turtle Mountain. All right. This has been episode two of Carpe DM. Thank you, Alexei.
1: Thank you, Meredith. (laughs) Oh, and we'd also like to thank uh, our awesome music as created by...
0: Aaron J. Shea and Dr. Popular. You can find links to their music on our website, DMcast.net.
1: And we will see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks. Mm -hmm. If you'd like to ask us any questions about running your games or learning how to run games, uh, feel free to tweet us at CPDMcast uh, on Twitter.